0: You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. Go, go to Isaiah 59. We're starting a brand new series at the moment. Throwing stuff around. Starting a brand new series called uh, Lifting the Standard. Lifting the Standard. Uh The Bible says in Isaiah 59, 19, it says, So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun, which is in the east. So from the east to the west. And it says, and when the enemy comes, it says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord could possibly. Come on. The spirit of the Lord will... the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. I felt very, very strong that we needed to, we needed to at some point we had to do the relationship series because it was February and we was trying to land on that and that's all important. And uh, But I, I, I just said to the team, I, I want to, I really feel a prophetic series that we need to do is lifting the standard, lifting the standard. And the reason that that is, is because, you know, we, hindsight, you know, is twenty twenty. Last year just happened to be 2020, so God's like, hey, don't beat yourself up. It's my hindsight year. <laughs> oh, okay. I feel really bad. No, no, you're, it's good. They called it 2020 because it's, you know, 2020's hindsight. He says, but we should have realized, you know, 20 and 20 is 40. 40 means tribulation or testing. Jesus was in the wilderness tempted by the devil for 40 days. They were in the wilderness for 40 years. Tested in the wilderness before they entered the promised land, when a woman uh, conceives it's 40 weeks that she carries and is, carries the, the child until she. So 40 in the scripture, you always see 40. It was 40 days and nights that the rain came down in the judgment of the earth in the time of Noah, and Noah had to go through the tribulation of the 40 days and 40 nights. And so 40 is, is, is tribulation is testing. So, so 2020 was a year of tribulation, was a year of testing. It was really a year where we saw the enemy come in like a flood. Right. The enemy came in like a flood in 2020. All of a sudden, there's a, a global pandemic and countries are closed and airports are closed and, and everything is shut down. And then that wasn't enough. We had to shut down businesses and, and restaurants and, and hospitals. We had, we had four deaths, none of them from COVID, all of them because of. All of them because of the the hospitals being having resources redirected. Not only that, there were race riots, cities burning. 2020 was a crazy year. I I I I, I wanna just maybe uh, spoil a little bit and forgive me for doing so. But the saddest thing is not everybody is innocent in the sense of it wasn't just a global pandemic and then righteous and innocent people were trying to do their best to respond it wasn't just uh, a travesty of justice and then in an election year very few things are by coincidence the the psychology proves and sadly there are people that understand that psychology that the greatest way to seize more power is to create chaos and division amongst the citizenry. Because when, when, when we're in chaos and, and disorder and discombobulated, we will just, here, you, you take the wheel, just get us back to peace. And so there were people that were very, very happy to seize power, very happy to take power and not so motivated to quickly abate things and then give that power back. In fact, many haven't given that power back. So 2020 was a year of, of testing and a year of tribulation. But uh, the good news is that we don't have to hope that the politicians and whatever. The Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, not if. Right. Yeah. It says when the enemy comes in like a flood, almost like God knows the devil's antics. Right. The spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. So I need you to, to understand right now that there is a standard that the Holy Ghost is lifting up. When the enemy came in like a flood, God didn't tap out. God didn't say, "Well, this is over my head. This is above my pay grade. God, God, God. When the enemy came in like a flood, God was already lifting up a standard. What is the Holy Ghost doing right now? He's lifting up a standard against him. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I say that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not Prevail against it. Jesus says, I'll build my church and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not prevail against it. Right. <clears throat> if you talk to you know to, to Mark Leposki, he'll tell you that, you know, people will say, Man, that you know, devils are attacking our church. De- devil's coming after our church, man. Oh, pray for his pastor, devil's attack. You know, I've never been attacked by a gate. <laughs> never been out for a jog and someone's run at me with a gate. Hey, he ain't tried to hit me with his gate. Never been attacked by a gate. So when Jesus says, "I oh, will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it," he's saying that because he knows that the armor of God is front, and there's no back. There's no back on the armor because we ain't ever meant to be doing this, running from. We're meant to be moving forward. And Jesus says, I'll build my church, I'll equip her with armour, the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, feet shod, preparation, shield, sword, and you're gonna be advancing, and the gates of hell will not prevail. I'm building a forward marching, a forward advancing, a territory taking, seven pillars of society influencing church. The church is going to move into the media, it's going to move into the arts, it's going to move into education, it's going to move into government. The church is the one that's meant to be moving forward. Church is meant to be moving forward. So now come with me in, let me just, for, for time, oh shoot, time's sake, let's just abbreviate. So 1 Samuel chapter one, 1 Samuel chapter one. Story goes like this, and I'm going to abbreviate. You can read it to make sure that I'm not making stuff up later. But there's a guy called Elkanah, Elkanah. Elkanah has a wife by the name of Hannah. He loves Hannah. The problem is Hannah is barren. Hannah is unable to, to bring forth a baby. So he marries another woman called Peninnah. And Peninnah is able to conceive and she's able to give him the family that he wants. So Hannah is barren. Peninnah is producing babies. Peninnah knows that she is plan B. Peninnah knows that she is the second choice. Even though she is giving him sons and she is giving him children, the house is filled with laughter and kids running around the dining table. And there's joy and there's presents and there's birthdays and there's little kids sitting on Papa's knee. But when Peninnah looks at Elkanah, his eyes are off. He's looking at Hannah. When they're snuggling on the couch, it's Elkanah wants to snuggle with Hannah. When, when they're walking in the, along the shore of the Jordan, he's holding hands with Hannah. When they're watching the sunset over the Sea of Galilee, he's doing it with Hannah. The Bible says that Peninnah provoked Hannah because she was jealous and she wanted to rub it in that your baby factory is broken. The Bible says that every year Elkanah would take his children his two wives up to the temple for the feast and he would always give Hannah a double portion because he loved Hannah. And the Bible says there was a, a time where Hannah just didn't have any more go in, present my offerings and then go and celebrate with everybody else. Everybody else is dancing. Everybody else is celebrating. She's like, I, I ain't got no more celebrating in me. And I ain't coming into the house of God with a double, double offering and leaving empty-handed. So while everybody else presented their offerings and left, she stays. And she starts crying out to God. And she's crying out to God. And she's like, God, I'm not leaving till you fix this. The Bible says the Lord closed her womb most theologians would say well because he closed it you know he must have a reason god moves in mysterious ways we don't understand why god does stuff but she's like no 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 he's 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 big enough stop making excuses if he closed something he can open it wow, like if my kids open the fridge i expect them to close it again right. and so So, so she's, now the Bible says there was a prophet called Eli and Eli looks and he sees Hannah in travail and the Bible says Hannah was in praying fervently, her lips were moving but no, no word was coming out because she was praying in her heart, she was praying in her heart, Her, her lips were, and so Eli thought she was drunk. And he says, put your wine away from you, woman. Come into the house of God, intoxicated. And she's like, oh, no, no, my Lord, my Lord. Do not think of your maidservant as a wicked woman. I have not touched any alcohol, but I'm brokenhearted and I'm travailing because I'm asking God for a son. Eli was already losing his discernment. He was losing his discernment because he had two sons, Phineas and Hophni, who were wicked before the Lord. And Eli refused to correct them. He was turning a blind eye to their bad behavior. When you turn a blind eye to bad behavior, you're in danger of turning your eye blind. Many of us believe that ignorance is bliss, and there is a bliss in ignorance. But the greatest gift in the kingdom is the ability to see. And I do not mean see, sight. I mean perceive. The Bible says the wise man's eyes are in his head. The Bible says the wise man foresees evil and redirects his course. But the foolish man just stumbles straight in haphazardly to his own demise. The, 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 The greatest gift that you can have in the kingdom, is the ability to see. But whenever we turn a blind eye to things, we turn our eye blind. Jesus said the prerequisite for leadership is vision. If the blind lead the blind, they'll both end up falling into a ditch. The, the greatest attack, the greatest onslaught of the enemy over my life is to defile my heart. To try and defile my heart with bitterness, rejection, pornography, unclean things. Because the Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. So the the, the, the battle for me to, to lead is the battle to keep the defilements or remove those so that I can see clearly. Because I have the responsibility to lead. So Eli has lost. He thinks that she's drunk, but she's not drunk. And then when he realizes he's a mistake, he comes over and he says, may the Lord do what you, you have asked. And the Bible says that she went home and Elkanah knew her and she conceived and she brought forth Shmuel, she brought forth Samuel, which is a good thing. I'm glad you're here, Samuel, just quietly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so she brings forth Samuel and she said, if you do this, I'll dedicate him to the Lord. Now come, I wanna give you three quick, three quick thoughts on that. The first, first thought is whatever is forged in the fire brings victory on the battlefield. Right. Whatever is forged in the fire brings victory on the battlefield. Come with me, 1 Samuel three nineteen. Uh, if you can throw that one, 1 Samuel. So it says, so Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. So Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. So everything Samuel prophesied came to pass. Everything he spoke, everything he said, not one word fell to the ground. Not one prophecy didn't be fulfilled. Every word that he spoke came to pass. Samuel was conceived in a barren womb. Samuel came into existence because there was a perceived injustice the Lord had closed Hannah's womb. She had to travail. She had to intercede. She had to to put up with provocation from her rival, insults, humiliation, shame but she pressed through all of that. She was determined she wasn't leaving the house of God because, because baby didn't come easy, because the baby came through labor, because the baby came through prophetic a prophetic word being released, because the baby came through her dedicating herself to the house of God. What conceived the child now sustains the child. That which is forged in the fire brings victory on the battlefield. You were formed in the womb, but you were never formed in the womb for life to remain in the womb. You were formed in the womb for a life outside of the womb. John the Baptist was in the wilderness until the day of his manifestation for Israel. Even though he was forged, even though he was shaped in the wilderness, he wasn't destined for that. He was destined to impact Israel. He was destined to point out the Messiah. God God shapes you in one place to show you off in another place. What is what is what is what is forged in the fire brings victory on the battlefield. Because Samuel because Samuel was was conceived in the prophetic. He was conceived in prayer all the days of his life this just dripped off him. When 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 we moved here in 2005 I I met Dr. Matt Hubbard and probably one of the greatest gifts in this life is Dr. Matt Hubbard. We were just riding these all-terrain vehicles, I think they're called, on the most precarious and dangerous trails at high speed with dust flying in your eyes. So it's like Mario Kart because you just got to make adjustments. Oh, hang on, there's a tree sticking out. That could have impaled me. Oh, there's a cliff there. Don't go that way. Thank God I didn't lose any lives. Because I'm not sure if you can just, you know, hit restart. if you. Anyway, and so, but we're in this one section and, and we, are, we are booking it. And I'm like, oh, this is like, and in, in the car, you know, and I'm thinking, just as I thought I should probably just back off the pedal a little bit, <laughs> Dr. Mego's goes flying past. Like this, just, I'm like, who is this guy? Anyway, and so... 2005, we move here, and I'm laying on his table. He's adjusting me. He's like, dude, you trying to grow a forest up there? And I, I, I beg your pardon? He's like, your nose hairs. Dude, you need to trim your nose hairs. And when you're laying on the table, you're vulnerable. I mean, what? you can't. He's like, yes, sir, yes, I need to, you know. And... But I remember he was like, he was, and then, you know, there was a, a little old lady, two tables over and she's like, my, my leg hurts. And he's like, yeah, well, now your back's going to hurt. You just put landscape duty. Anyone else's legs hurt? <laughs> no, he didn't say that. That was from <laughs> Happy <that> Gilmore. <laughs> could I trouble you for, a, you could trouble me for a warm glass. No, anyway, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. Um, but, 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 you know, and so he's like, hey, hey, you know, quit, quit with the negativity. This is a positive only zone. And I'm watching him, I'm watching him, and he's like rebuking people and challenging people, and they're loving him. I'm like, you're a better pastor than me. In fact, you're a better pastor than almost any other pastor right now. So I would tell him, you're going to be a pastor. It's like, no way, don't put that on me, man, I ain't going to be a pastor. I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, you got to call a God on your life. And then I start meeting his family. So Dr. Matt gets, comes into Awaken and gets delivered from dead religion because right. he grew up with, with dead religion. Right. So wow. he doesn't know how to do this and incorporate dead religion. In fact, he rails, any, he, he can't even, he, if he just smells dead, dead religion, he is like having an adverse reaction to it. Not only that. But, but because Dr. Matt would resist, like for eight years, I mean, Kayla just jumped in, you know, both feet. She's like, I'm in ministry. I want to be in ministry. Yeah. Whereas Dr. Matt, you know, he, he didn't want anything to do with it. He just wanted to be business and chiropractic and everything else. And I would keep prophesying over him. And I'd say, you got gifts, you got talents, the skill sets on the inside of you, you're, you're called to the ministry. Yeah. Yeah. And so now what he carries, he carries this anointing that, that will take out dead religion and bring life instead of dead. He won't, he won't allow the life of the gospel and the life of the Word of God to be cloaked through dead religion, and he knows how to raise up and release people into their calling, release people into their giftings, release people. John Heinrichs. John Heinrichs was in hospital, and, and the doctor said to, to Becky, saying, is, is your husband's life insurance you know, policy up to date? Because all his internal organs are shutting down. He may not make it through the night. I get a phone call from Dr. Matt, but I'm sitting on a plane at LAX about to take off to New Zealand. And I'm like, get Mark Peterson. Mark Peterson was in my youth group. You know, he, he, was, he was like my, my go-to. He's, he's a boss. He knows how to pray. Get So they call Mark Peterson. Mark Peterson... Spends the whole day fasting and then goes in there and prays for, for John, shifts the atmosphere, and then boom, 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 everything starts firing in. The next day John walks out completely healed. But now John, but now John operates in a level of healing where people that were terminal, and there was one guy who had a massive tumor, and his, John prays for him, and the tumor completely disappears. And because because what was forged in the fire brings victory on the battlefield brings victory on the battlefield. So whatever whatever the enemy sends for evil, whatever happened in 2020, whatever the enemy sent to you in 20, against you in 2020, I'm reading a book at the moment that says that hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create bad times or hard times. But hard times create strong men. If you wanted to know what's the cycle, what's the, the, the cycle of human history, it's that over and over and over. We're in a season where we had, we had good times. But good times have created weak men. And weak men create hard times. But the good news is that this hard time is about to produce strong men. We're about to see masculinity come back. We're about to see strength come back. That's what we're about to see. So the sword, the sword that, that Goliath was, was sharpening on the, the, the grindstone in the morning, in the a.m., to take down an Israelite, the sword he was sharpening in the a.m. was the same sword that David took from him in the p.m. and cut off his head. What the enemy Brought into the battle, ended up taking the enemy out of the battle. And I want to prophesy what the enemy brought into 2020 to take you out. The fact that you're still standing. But you're not just standing because what God is doing is He is lifting up a standard. And whatever came against you in 2020, guess what? 2021, something was forged in you. Something was created. Something was birthed in you. There's a standard elevating. Number two. The difficult releases the impossible. The difficult releases the impossible. First Samuel seven thirteen says, So the Philistines were subdued, and they did not come anymore into the territory of Israel, and the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. Let me read that again. So the Philistines were subdued, and they did not come anymore into the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. All the days of Samuel, God's hand was against. It wasn't wasn't that, you know, Samuel was such a. anybody want to come in? They got to go through me. It wasn't. an entire nation was subdued. Would no longer walk into Israel because every time they walked into Israel, wheels would fall off their chariots. They would get a whooping that they just decided there's something, there's something, there's something going on. Don't even step across. When you step across that line, it's like boils start. The verse says, all, all the days of Samuel, the Philistines would not enter that region, that territory. Those who do the difficult see the impossible. Samuel's first prophecy, he's maybe four. Samuel's first prophecy, he's about four years of age. He he hears Samuel, Samuel, Shmuel, Shmuel, and he runs to Eli. Because the Bible says the Lord had not yet revealed himself to Samuel. And he wakes Eli up, what is it, what is it? And Eli's like, what, what are you saying? You called me, he said, I didn't call you, go back to bed. And then it comes the second time, Samuel. Samuel, and he gets up and runs to Eli. You called me. I heard you call me. He's like, I didn't call. Go back to sleep. A third time, Samuel. He runs. Eli, you called me. You called me. And then Eli realizes, Oh no, I didn't call you. The Lord's calling you. He knows there the sun is setting. Because the Lord used to speak to Eli. Now God is bypassing Eli. And going to Shmuel. So he gives instruction. He says, Samuel, go and lie down. And it shall come to pass if the Lord calls to you again. This is what you're to say. You're to say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. The next morning at breakfast, Eli says to Samuel, Samuel, did the Lord call to you a fourth time? He said, yes. He says, tell me what he told you and don't hold anything back from me. Samuel was given to Eli by Hannah. Eli was his master, was his guardian, was his caretaker, his caregiver. He lived in the house of Eli. He now on his very, very first assignment, Samuel, has to, has to tell Eli that the sun is setting. God is about to remove the lamp from the house of Eli because of your wicked sons and the fact that you honor them more than you honor God. And your sons are going to be killed in the same day in battle and God will snuff the lamp out. That's the house that he's living in. That's not a really great, I'm not sure how we're going to eat after this. But because because Samuel was willing to do the difficult... When I, when I got called to go to Bible college, there were two Bible colleges, but God chose the one that was hundreds of miles away and double the cost. And I knew nobody, and they had no guarantee of a position afterwards. And God's like, that's the one you're going to go to. And then at the end of Bible college, they send me to New Zealand. I get engaged four days after my engagement to Lianni, I'm on a plane to another nation. We live in two different nations, our entire engagement. After seven years in New Zealand, God calls us back to Sydney, but the prophetic word is, yeah, when you go back to Sydney, you're not to go back to Hillsong. The 10 years of relationships, yeah, you're going to go and start from the bottom in C3, you're going to serve Phil Pringle. You don't know anybody there, they don't know you, but you're going to go there. And New Zealand was in a boom when we moved there. And now it was in a bust. And we could just now finally afford new... And God says, okay, now it's time to move. And we get to the northern beaches. And the northern beaches is crazy expensive. And I'm just like, God, I just... We, we need to... Your timing is lousy. <laughs> After seven years on the northern beaches, we, we sell our home. Because we think we're going to stay there. We have no idea that God... God's gonna send us to San Diego to plant a church. So I buy an acre with ocean views, and we get plans drawn up to build a home. That just just the building of that home would have made us between one and $1.5 million profit. And I'm like, wow, my dad disowned me when I went to Bible college and here. And God's like, leave it, walk away from it, go to a city you've never seen plant a church and I'm like but today today we have eight buildings we have eight eight, like we 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 literally stumbled and fell into a 14 million dollar building in Salt Lake City that we got for 6.5 now I've got to tell you something I'm not that good (laughs) people say man that bad I'm like no let me just tell you right now I'm not that smart I'm not that good I was just obedient when God says, will you do the difficult? If you'll do the difficult, God does the impossible. Pastor, you don't understand. It's just so difficult right now to tithe. Like, we're so far in debt. It's amazing. Every single person I know that tithes can afford to. And every person that doesn't tithe can't afford to. They're like, yeah, exactly. So why would you ask? No, no, every person that tithes can afford to. Yeah, exactly. Hello, but I can't afford to. Be... Every person that tithes can afford to. And every person that doesn't can't seem to afford. If you will do what is difficult, you release what is impossible. If you do what is. You don't understand this being betrayals, there's been affairs if you will do the difficult and forgive, if you'll do the difficult and see a therapist and a counselor together if you will do the difficult you'll see God do the impossible God wants to do the impossible he just needs people willing to do the difficult, if you'll do the difficult, God does the impossible, can I give you the last point I know we're, we're out of time and they're already doing this Point number three is gatekeepers of power. Gatekeepers of power. 1 Samuel 19, 18 to 24. We don't have time to read it, but basically this is what happens. Saul is threatened by, king da- or by David. David is going to be the successor. David's going to be the, the king that replaces Saul, Hector. And, and, and so Saul doesn't want this to happen. So he sends messengers, soldiers, to arrest David and then to bring him back to Jerusalem to execute him. But the Bible says when David got with of this plan, he runs to Samuel in Ramah. Ramah is where Samuel grew up. Ramah is Samuel's hometown. And the Bible says when the messengers came to arrest David into Ramah, the Spirit of the Lord fell upon them and they began to prophesy. Instead of arresting David and dragging him back to Israel, uh, back back to Jerusalem, they were prophesying that he's going to be the king, that, he, that God's hands upon him. So Saul's like, oh, so he sends it. you guys be more disciplined. And he sends a second lot of messengers. So this next battalion comes marching down and they come to arrest David. And the Bible says, as soon as they came into Ramah, the Spirit of the Lord fell upon them and they began to prophesy. So Saul sends a third lot and the same happens to them. As soon as they come into Ramah, so finally Saul's like, oh, my God. If you want it done, you've got to do it yourself. So he goes down to arrest David, bring him back. in. And the Bible says, And when he came into Ramah, he inquired, Where is David and Samuel? And they said, He's up at Naaboth. And when he went to the hill of Naaboth, the Spirit of the Lord fell upon Saul. And he took off his cloak, and he fell prostrate before the Lord and began to prophesy. So that they said, Is Saul also among the prophets? We don't have to hope that we can get the right politician in power. Samuel had what I call home ground advantage. David fled to Ramah which was Shmuel's hometown. He controlled the atmosphere over his hometown so that even when the soldiers came to arrest, they couldn't help but prophesy. Even when the jealous king comes down to drag back and execute, he couldn't help but fall prostrate before the Lord and prophesy. God has given us a city. We don't hope. We don't don't come begging. Please, sir, can I have more? More. We, we, We don't come begging for you know, hey, listen, you stay out, you stay away from us, and we'll stay. No, no, we 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 are here to shift things. Every place the sole of your foot shelter. We, we are here to declare over Bressy Ranch, restaurants are gonna be open. We declare over Bressy Ranch, we declare businesses will be booming again. We declare over this reach, over this region, COVID cases plummeting, covert deaths cease to we we declare. We declare no masks. We declare no social distancing necessary. Now, now, if the science supported it, I mean, I was at the airport yesterday, and you know, checking in to get onto my flight, I had to be, I had to be six feet behind the guy in front of me. I Had to be six feet behind, sir. Just wait there, and then you know, bleep, you know, they, t- he goes in, then then I go up, bleep, you know, and then we're sitting next to each other. But lining up, I had to be six feet behind him because of COVID, yeah. but now we're sitting next to each other yeah. Sir, your mask needs to cover your nose and your mouth. Oh, oh let me pull up. here's some peanuts. You can now take it off. Oh okay, because you know because how many people know that when COVID sees peanuts or pretzels, it's like ha oh, ha! Oh, oh, oh! But as soon as you're finished, and it's like, ah, man. Hey, pull that thing up over their nose. See, our, our job, I'm over time, I'm in so much trouble. Our job in San Diego, our job in San Diego is every place that we have a footprint. Salt Lake City, where every. The God wants us to control the atmosphere so that even if they elect a wicked official, when, when he comes under, when he comes into that region, he can't help but the Spirit of the Lord come upon him and he passes pro life legislation. He passes legislation that protects freedom of speech. He, he, he passes legislation that says the church is essential. It is more essential than a strip club, than a nightclub. It is more essential than a distillery, than a liquor store, than a marijuana dispensary. The, the, he can't help because he comes under an atmosphere where the gatekeeper, you as the church, are the gatekeepers of power. We shift the atmosphere every Tuesday morning, 5.30 a.m., when the men pray, when the women pray, we shift the atmosphere. Never under it, you're shifting something. And when people come into, when people came into, it, something came under the influence. People get arrested for driving under the influence. Do you really think that alcohol is more potent, more powerful than the spirit of the living God? We can create, we can, sh- Jesus whatever you bind or bound in heaven, whatever you loose on it loosed in heaven. In other words, there's a tandem. We're here to shoot. Why do you think there's such a rebellion in San Diego? I was in San Fran yesterday. It is a, it is a mess. It is a mess. But we're in the same state, California. I, I Leanne and I eat out inside restaurants all the time. We have, we have freedoms here that don't... You must be really lucky. No, 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 it's because Ramah home field advantage come on give the lord a great praise thanks for listening to find out more about our locations team and what we do here at awakened church go to awakenedchurch.com